What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. It's your boy Scott here, and I got another fantastic episode for you. We're just cranking them out. We just can't quit. <laughs> so today we're speaking with the powerful Jim Bob, made by Jim Bob. And uh, you know, I'm sure all of you, if you're not, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Jim Bob, I guarantee you've at least seen his drawings, his illustrations, his memes. They have been on the forefront of this whole psyop for the last couple years, and nobody drops the truth in in a in a well packaged hilarious way better than he does. So um, this is a great conversation. I just want to really, you know, give a shout out. Like, I really hope you guys go and not only follow him. So he's on his fourth Instagram account made by Jim Bob Four. So definitely go give him a follow. But in addition to that, he does so much other stuff. He does a live stream on YouTube um, where, uh, you know, he gets into all sorts of other stuff. You know what I mean? But um, another big shout out too. So the Pete Quinones show, he's done a couple episodes recently on there. And then, and, and, you know, Jim Bob just strikes me as like such an articulate speaker and his world, like his worldview and his perspective and the way he articulates it is just so next level. And I just, uh, yeah, just really honored that he was willing to come on the show, man. Like uh, it's just fantastic. So, uh, definitely go follow and support his work any way that you can. Um, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna dig it. You're gonna dig it. I promise. So yeah, it's a great conversation. Hope you guys like it. Um, if you guys want to support this show, if you get any value out of this show, you can head over to the website, rebunk.news. Um, uh, make sure you're following us on all the platforms. You can listen to this on the go, too, you know, iTunes, Spotify, so definitely give us a follow there, any podcast player. While you're on the website, you'll see all the video platforms at the top, and at the bottom, there's some value-for-value donation options. We've got, like, crypto, cash app, PayPal, Venmo, debit credit, you know, whatever, but, uh, you know, whatever works, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I'm going to keep doing this either way, baby, so let's just, we're just having lots and lots of fun here, but uh, another great way to support the show is on the Subscribestar, so Subscribestar.com forward slash Rebunked. Um, we're dro- I'm dropping like, you know, just little bonus episodes every now and then, some rants, crazy stuff, uh, premium stuff, so it might get a little hot and heavy, you know what I'm saying? Like the tough, I mean, not that we don't really go hot and heavy in the show anyway, like we usually push the envelope from time to time here, but, uh, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, I'm saving something a little special for the premium subscribers over on Subscribestar. So Subscribestar.com forward slash Rebunked, five bucks a month is a great way to help support the show. Um, sponsors of the show is TruthTRS, TruthTRS.com. TRS is Toxin Removal Support. It's a heavy metal detox spray, and it takes all the heavy metals that are accumulated in your body, you know, from all the chemtrails and all the GMO food, and, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the, you gotta take a, drink a glass of municipal water, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just happens, it happens, and uh, so it takes all that stuff, and it, it absorbs it and flushes it out of your system. You're gonna feel way better, man. If you go to their Instagram page, uh, at Truth TRS, you're going to see all kinds of testimonials, people that have had such amazing results from using TRS. So definitely go to truthtrs.com to learn more. They also have an advanced CBD formula, which is fantastic, and an advanced fulvic micro micronutrient formula. I always have a tough time saying that. So anyways, just head over to truthtrs.com to learn more about that. Um, best way to follow the show is on Telegram, t.me forward slash rebunkedpod. Um, got all the, you know, you'll get instant drops. There's no algorithms everywhere else. I'm just shadow banned to hell. So t.me forward slash rebunk pod get in the telegram channel for sure uh let's see oh the other last big shout out if you guys are watching this on band.video on infowars please make sure you support them it's the last stronghold well one of the last strongholds of free speech left on the internet so please support them at infowarsstore.com guys so yeah this is a fantastic episode guys so without further ado here's the legendary jim bob Bam. All right. Well, everybody, joining me today is everybody's favorite thorn in the side of the establishment, <laughs> a guy who has literally catapulted himself into the collective zeitgeist of this great awakening, just relentlessly mocking all of these demonic agendas and psyops that we are living through with his humble illustrations. So 
He's an artist, musician, live streamer, so much more. The five-star general of the great meme wars, the infamous Made by Jim Bob. Jim Bob, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. What an intro. <laughs> Dude, I'm just, I mean, I feel like I can't speak it up enough. Like, I mean, that's, that's, I really want to get your thoughts on this. Cause like literally we're involved in like this battle for the soul of humanity, but it's like being waged with like cartoons and memes. Like yeah. what the hell is that like a reflection of like how dumbed down people are? Or is that, you know, have we elevated to this new like spiritual war where it's like, we're, we're able to connect with like, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Um, I think uh, memes, if they're done correctly are uh basically filtered down truth and so it's not an accident that the truth is actually very simple and cuts through all the nonsense i mean that's in my view um that's what scripture is it it's it's so sharp sharply devised that uh it cuts through everything because it gets to the bottom of the truth of the matter um in in a spiritual um, um paradigm so i think that's why we're dealing with that so i think if if you actually attack all the nonsense and what's going on through the lens of um, spiritual warfare and good and evil, it's actually easier to, uh, in my in the work that I do, filter it down to simplistic form and uh, you know less words, uh, one picture maybe ideally, and uh, and that's why it works. It's because the you know the old the old cliche is a picture is worth a thousand words, but I guess the question is why is it? you know, why is that true? And I think that's why it's true is because, because you, because you're cutting to the core and all the other stuff is just extra radio noise, uh, particular talking points, uh, politics, you know, right, left paradigms. Um, they all kind of reside in this other arena. And you start to notice that if you start questioning the truth of the matter, um, even people who are um, hypothetically on your political side c- can be under my, my the target. In my case, they're under my target a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, man, that's such a good point. You know, you see the propaganda and propaganda tends to stand out because it kind of falls under that category of it's it's very wordy and lengthy and they need to try to like fit a square peg in a round hole, you know, and they just <laughs> you can tell they have to put so much effort into convincing you, you know, but the truth and particularly your memes, like literally, it's just like a couple words and an illustration. And it's just like, okay, well, that's it. And and what we're seeing, I mean, you you know this probably better than anybody, is that like they can't attack the ideas. They can't challenge them on their face. They can't uh, meet on a you know fair playing field and debate these topics. They have to resort to tactics like censorship and deplatforming. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the only way that they are able to – proliferate their ideas you know and so like like just just the fact that we literally have truth on our side you know that's that's the biggest threat ever and so man you've been through a lot of censorship and deplatforming but you're still uh resilient with the whole thing like um what's what's that been like for you um at first it was annoying because you know my first account it was a slow build for like four years up to like uh, i don't know it was like 115,000 which for me is huge because i already knew i was shadow banned and still building up to that point and so um being able to go through that and build a following that big under the the gun of um, censorship and shadow banning i was like oh cool so it's still possible it's just so it's so grueling and then you get deleted you know and then you build it up again and then, you know, it was deleted again at like 30 or something thousand. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I realized that 
the the numbers don't really matter on any particular platform because if I exist at all and I and I make a comic that that um, that you know people respond to the comic itself is everywhere. I my account doesn't have to be anywhere actually, um, and so I realized that that that's kind of cool and it doesn't matter either way. I mean, in in some in some way, uh, deleting me or keeping me at you know between five and ten thousand followers it does two things. It increases the value of the comic, you know, not like mm. monetary speaking, just like you need to find it and access it. Uh, but it also uh, concentrates my following to people who know what I'm saying, because, you know, let's face it, like uh, skip into a hundred thousand followers or more sudden, suddenly, especially um, they're not going to read into all of the things. It's going to be very surface level level people. You're going to have to, you know, to keep that and maintain it, you inevitably have to, to uh, broaden and and dilute your message and you can't touch certain topics and such and that's just not what i do so mm -hmm. this is the you know censorship is just kind of like a badge and to me it's a it's an indicator that certain topics or targets not always you can be deleted for just being like an ass right mm -hmm. uh, or saying nothing true at all uh but uh, in my case i feel like it's specific to the way i'm approaching i'm actually going after a lot of different things and a lot of different quote sides. And so, um, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to the ordinary person. Why censorship? Someone might on the right say, Oh, they're censoring you. The left, they're so terrible. And let's yeah, that's true. But I also like make fun of like Ben Shapiro all the time and, and Dennis <laughs> Prager and, and the, you know, the, the con, you know, the, I call it, it's like the neocon Inc, you know, mm -hmm. establishment, and um, yeah, you could agree with some things culturally or politically, but there's something deeper going on that needs to be, um, I guess, exposed or at least made fun of. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's just so funny, just the notion that they, they don't know how to handle that. It's like, OK, yeah, we're attacking the insanity of like, you know, all the trans kids stuff and just like whatever. But then you do a meme about like. Yeah, like like Jordan Peterson or you, you do your Jordan Peterson impressions, which are so epic. So you guys, if you haven't. Checked out Jim Bob, Jordan Peterson, dude. I want to ask you some questions about that. But, like, they don't know how to handle that. It's like it does not compute, does not compute. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, they, they go, like, uh, in in fighting, don't, you know, don't you have – aren't there better people to make fun of? Like, you know, Ocasio-Cortez. I'm like, not real. I mean, it's like, you know, those people who are really easy targets, that's what's funny is that there are people who are triggered by me making fun of Ben Shapiro or, let's say, <laughs> like, Dennis Prager or Jordan Peterson, and they'll say – uh, aren't there easier targets than that? And but but in their paradigm, there's easier targets. But in my paradigm, they're they're actually easy targets. Like mm -hmm. they are my low hanging fruit. Like, uh, and it's and it's still fun to do. It's like it's not even. I guess uh, in a way, when I started doing it, uh, because I un you know to me I unveiled something was unveiled to me about jordan peterson it wasn't and i was like mad because i you know kind of looked up to him totally. he was like a he was an art you know in his words he's an archetype right um but then you realize then you get a little like mad and and then you go after the person a little bit and then but now it's like it's softened a little bit where mm -hmm. i actually learned to do it the impressions of them and the things i say that uh, reveal like a, a truth about him but also leave people uh at at worst feeling bad for him, not like resenting, like hating him. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the beginning I was a little like harsh, even with like Ben Shapiro's where 
there was clear animosity in the in the um in the artwork you know mm-hmm. but uh but i mean that's kind of like how it goes you just you know i i'm also a person reacting to you know transitions of thought you know mm-hmm. and dealing with like oh that person's great and then you know that's a kind of like a humbling moment where you find yourself um idolizing men or putting your faith in man in general and then you get caught off guard and you go oh they fail they're all just like they're all it's all futile like there's no man who's gonna you know save the day you know mm-hmm. so and then a lot of people think that as it's pessimistic i don't think that's pessimistic. i think that's the, the that's the spiritual reality absolutely yeah yeah no i mean that's a, that's been a huge lesson for me too <clears throat> you know the whole idea of just like the the false idol right like like just considering that or just trying to outsource anything like like, like that's kind of like been the biggest awakening for me this last couple of years it's just like literally like i have to be 100 in charge of my life and, it, and my life has like completely changed you know in the course of this in a very very positive way i have to say but it's really as a result of just like the idea that like nobody's coming to save us you know we have to have to have to and then we've seen over time you know like Trump, for example, right? Like, sure. Like I was like, okay, well one versus the other, like if it's Biden or Trump, I'm like hundred percent, like, let's get Trump. But then you realize, oh my God, like, it's all just a shit show, man. Like Mm -hmm. it's just all like, and then being led down the path and then like sitting over here, seeing others that are like still like, okay. So I went to this like reawaken America tour. Right. I don't know if you heard about that, but it's like this big, um, it's put on this by this guy named Clay Clark. And it was like, all of these like it was like general michael flynn and like all those guys you know what i mean but i was there to like meet like i met judy mikovitz and dr andrew wakefield and like all these like folks that some of them that i've interviewed on the show that i never actually met like all these like you know people in the medical freedom movement i was super excited about but half of it i just was not resonating with you know what i mean it was just like um just like everybody just like still just like trapped in that two-party paradigm and still thinking like trump is gonna swoop in and save the day and it's just like you know the whole idea of the false idols thing like it's just been like shattered like nope can't do it can't do it yeah part of the false idol um thing i mean it's in us to to look that way you know we're all vulnerable to false idols but um uh i feel like the false idol um you know thing that we do right that that thing we do is it's kind of parallel to to uh worldliness like you you if you're pursuing worldliness in 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 this case um we'll finally get somewhere you know oh i i got on uh rebunked and we're gonna we're gonna really save the world basically i mean really when you look at it 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 almost it's the same almost frequency and and sort of um context as say like climate change activism like it's just the other side. It's like, we're going to save the day. And then there's going to be a world, which I envision is consistent with all this stuff. And uh, it gets you trapped. And then if you look through that view, you're not only slowly becoming sort of a utilitarian, which case, which is also um, we're vulnerable to, um, which then opens us up to ends justifying the means. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what we combat. And then it also opens us up because if the answer is in the world, in some outcome, then, then it makes sense that a, that a leader represents that outcome. And that's how idols are formed. They're actually like extensions of worship of the world of the creation. And that if you pursue the creation and some uh, utopian view, even if you're, even if it's a uh, theocracy of some sort or some, you know, a constitutional uh, Christian 
constitutional monarchy or something like that, no matter what you can dream up, if you're sold that the world can be fixed, then uh, you're you're basically operating in the same paradigm as what seem to be your enemies. They're not really your enemies, but like the the essence of the enemy and what they try to do, the technocrats, the the progressives, the ones who want like a single world order. Mm-hmm. They're all operating ironically and under that under that lens. So when we combat it, that's why you know the the battle of good and evil is not flesh and blood. It's of powers and principalities. It's not outcome based. You don't you don't you don't defeat evil and then suddenly you have this like really beautiful these golden fields and like you know hob. It's not a shire. You don't we don't just make the shire after. Uh, you can't you we can't save the world. But again, like you said, we can work on ourselves we can we can work at the local level we can we can bring sort of uh, a representation of what we um, see good in the world around us but that's not the ultimate that's not exactly in my view what we're here for that we're we're not here to secure some sort of outcomes forever because this is this is temporal this is not the world isn't forever and that's that's a that's a a starting point for like any given worldview my worldview happens to be christian yeah that's fantastic man and uh i that's one thing that's become abundantly clear to me you know i've, I've kind of uh been open-minded so so my story kind of like background is you know like i'm i'm kind of in, i'm in uh recovery from like substance use you know for like many many years you know what i mean i've been working as a counselor up until recently when i had to make the choice of not taking the shot in order i'm here in oregon you know what i mean belly of the you have to you have to inject yourself with yeah. something to help people yeah get exactly. off substance abuse exactly and so Fire. like yeah it's crazy man and so just my journey you know in recovery it's very spiritually based and like open up your mind but but just open up your mind to like something bigger than yourself right you know what i mean and so i've kind of been in that realm for quite a while but then just this last year it's been very clear that there is like definite evil you know what i mean and like we spend so much time on like on this show or whatever like and the show i did before truthzilla like you know talking about the problem talking about the evil but spending very little time like focusing on like the positivity and the solution you know what i mean and i kind of fell into that trap and like these days i'm really hoping i'm really trying to like shift gears into solutions and uh celebrating the good and you know for me I'm not even sure where I'm at, you know, like with all the, the religion spirituality stuff, you know, I'm, I'm still like open to stuff, but, but it's definitely a journey, but I recognize something much bigger than me. And I'm just kind of like gravitating more towards that. Honestly, like I, I just, yeah. uh, it's, it's, but, but just literally the, 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 the good and evil paradigm, like it's just so abundantly clear. These yeah. Well, I mean, that's where a lot of people start. They see, they either, I don't know, they either give birth to a child and, and mm-hmm. clearly confront that, that ultimate good, is somehow embodied in some moment you're just like what this is this is transcendent and that or they see evil or both you know i've seen evil and i've also had children um i think i'm seeing evil or at least confronting that it exists at least if you if you take the you know if you take your worldview and you want to ground it and you want to um you know you want it to be coherent so you know that exists good and evil you're like clear so it's like the the question is, um, you know, how um, how do you pursue being able to account for it that it's that it exists, right? Mm-hmm. That that there is good and there is the the uh, working away from the good, you know, the the absence of good, the mm-hmm. the 
the rejection of good, even the active rejection of good. Um, and so that's actually a great place to start for you. Cause it's like, for, that's for all of us. Like, that's how I started. It's like, I, I was like pretend atheist for so long or materialist and a nihilist. And like, none of this really matters. Good and evil is just illusory. Uh, truth is illusory. As silly as that sounded, I actually would try to believe that stuff. And then, um, I don't know. One day I was just, uh, it just occurred to me. I was like, no, I can't pretend that I don't believe ultimately that there's good, you know, that the, and that humans specifically are, are, it's peculiar to us. This, these metaphysical concepts, we have access to it. We can, we can communicate and express good and compassion and, um, sacrifice and all. There's a whole like, whole category of these things that we sort of somehow embody and access in each other. Um, and that there's a fight at all. I mean, how could we possibly, um, reconcile in our, in our view that there's a fight against, you know, something should be done, right? Everybody does it. Even the people, the atheists there, we got to fight against, you know, they're assuming that there's a good, that there, there's an ought, we ought to pursue something. And so, I mean, it just takes an honest person to be like, Oh shit, I do believe that there's good and I've seen evil. So now how do I, how do I justify that that exists? You know, which, which worldview, which religion, mm -hmm. which God, you know, it's so overwhelming at first, but mm -hmm. I think it's a good uh, place to start for anybody yeah. listening to not just you. Totally. Totally. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's awesome, man. And it's empowering too, to know that, that we're, I don't know, at least pursuing the right thing, you know, at least being on the right track towards being curious about it. I don't know. So, you know, you kind of brought up some good stuff there. And one of the things I was going to ask you and just kind of curious back to like the Jordan Peterson thing. Like, I feel like for me personally, there's been like a lot of like sacred cows that have been slaughtered these last couple of years. You know what I mean? And I was curious, like if you could pinpoint your like biggest sacred cow, maybe even before COVID or whatever, it's something that. Oh, you, like, that got slaughtered for me. Yeah. Yeah. What's my sacred cow? Um, I mean, I, I mean, it started, I mean, when I started cartooning, I was just like, I was actually like in LA, just a default liberal. So mm -hmm. I voted for Obama and then uh, I actually slaughtered my own sacred cow, but then it was the response to it that slaughtered another sacred cow. So it was like, I, I drew a meme, uh, you know, the notorious, uh, Obama dropping the mic, you know, Oh, mm -hmm, he's so cool. Mm -hmm. He drops the mic. Well, I just, I just drew a comic and I just swapped the mic for a bomb. And, um, that clearly represented his, his term. And, uh, and that's, what's funny is that I actually voted for him. I didn't vote for him for any reason other than, uh, you know, pop culture. He was, mm -hmm. it's a celebrity. And then, uh, people around me saw the comic were so pissed at me. So I actually went after my own sacred cow, you know, Oh, so cool. He shoots hoops. Oh, wow. You know, you look how he talks. Um, and then I was like, Oh, he's dropping he's just doing the same shit like as everybody else and then uh, people got so mad so it was like weird it was like i attempted to slaughter my own sacred cow but it happened to be other people's but then their response was a slaughtering of a sacred cow of what i thought other people were around me so a lot of times the sacred cow could be um could be a conglomerate not a conglomerate a, a, a collection of um 
we're of a of a single said worldview, let's say, you know, like uh, the people in L.A., in, in my case, the the artists and the cool people, you know, the burning manny kind of fedora people and uh, how cool they were. And they're so open, you know, and they're you know, they're about the truth. They're about, you know, what's going on. You know, you could talk about anything. We're we're so open. <laughs> it's, and then you just you just you put up one meme and they go nuts. And so that was like an eye opening for me. Cause that means I could be sort of a uh, disavowed or outcasted from a group. I thought I was in. And that's the, that's the illusion. You're never actually in it because there's always some sacred cow that'll get you booted. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why the, you could only really be a part of a group uh, in my view, that's that loves the truth. Um, and so, you know, and that's the starting point. Eventually it gets a little more, uh, detailed on what group that is and what you believe but mm-hmm. you know that that was a sacred cow for me or that it happened multiple times it's like um what happens is in my at least for me because of what i do i have to i'm a constantly looking at targets for for the memes and for the comics and so i have to be open that the target might be something that i not worship but like that i hold hold up mm-hmm. in the air let's say and uh, a lot of these things have been the people I've, you know, I went through my whole Ben Shapiro phase of being like, this is the, you know, this is the best. And then, you know, and then you start to graduate past sort of enlightenment thinking and just pure constitutionalism or freedom or classical liberalism or libertarianism. You start to go through these phases and all these ideologies end up being the sacred cows that, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just uh, fortunate that my own, the work that I do, I end up inadvertently slaughtering my own, my own cows, you know, no one, you know, people help though. I mean, I used to just like really preach individualism, like strict individualism, like I and Randy and level stuff. And, uh, and then people were like, yeah, you can value the individual, but they showed me that like, you don't, we don't actually just exists on the individual we are also a part of the collective we are and this is the deeper problem of one and many things Uh, we're one thing but we're also a part of many things and we couldn't actually be one thing unless there were many things to not you know to be one thing versus that but then there's you know it's a it's like a paradoxical thing and so from that view you start to go well yeah i can still um i can still appreciate like individual liberty and these these uh conventions that protect liberty and property and all these things but that's not once you get into a cultural element or a a war about good and evil it's beyond uh just freedom and that was a big sacred cow slaughtered for me the idea of freedom is is nonsense if uh, a society is fully free in other words a society can be fully free and totally degenerate Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of people, maybe in the center, center right, don't they don't quite confront this problem that, you know, like Burning Man or San Francisco. It's like you can you can show an element of absolute freedom and it, and it can render something totally degenerate. That's why that's why morality. That's why when we confront good and evil and what's decent, it's not always consistent with what's what's legal. You know, it's not always consistent with just freedom, you know, freedom. You can have freedom to, you know, create like a hellscape, right? Mm-hmm. And you can create a hellscape where no one's 
property is stolen and nobody's harmed, like actually harmed, like you know, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like the legally mm-hmm. way. And so that I started uh, looking at that, and that got slaughtered too, because I because I was all about that. I was like, as long as long as you don't hurt people and take their stuff, it's like, is that really? You know, like you would agree with that at the personal level, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't disagree with it, but you wouldn't make that the foundational block for a, for a society you want for your children because you could have just all the degenerates you can have like you could have a excuse my language but like a dick shaped building next to a preschool and it's not hurting anyone it's not you're not taking any stuff so that means that there's more to you know what what is good and decent beyond violence we always go to like oh violence don't hurt people don't rape people and don't steal and you're like that's clear but it it means that there's like there are other customs that we maybe perhaps um uh did away with or just maybe they just got diluted from like multiple you know cultures you know saturating all all cultures in america where there's no real customs held true Everyone's different, man. You know, it's like a it's a perfect mosaic. It's beautiful. But then there's no real core expectations of what it is to be, let's say, a man in society and mm-hmm. uh, to to intervene with a, a stranger's child because they're doing something wrong. Right. That's mm-hmm. gone. Like now there's this like walking on eggshells. Like I don't want to get sued because, uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to um not punish like you know spank or anything but like put another child's someone else's child in place right there used to be more of a collective understanding that that was just a part of being a neighbor let's say right mm-hmm. and i feel like that's deeper right that's like a deeper issue than law uh, and all of these things that's like a there's something it's not just cultural it's there's a deeper cu- duty i guess the word would be duty and i feel like duties have been sort of um masked or diluted by the multiplicity of culture and um this this concept that you're that you're forced to integrate with all these conflicting cultures and behaviors right Mm -hmm. you know that's american it's like the right and the left agree with this basic fundamental concept and they almost compete about who loves it more and you're like and now and that, that's where you see this this new trend on the right where they like, you know, they'll put the Bruce Jenner character on Fox now and they'll be like, we are. I made a meme of Dennis Prager saying like our trannies like smaller government. And it's like so <laughs> true. It's like it's like and then like, you know, you know, there's all this progressivism actually happening on the right in mm-hmm. that world. And they have no choice because their starting point is diversity it's it's ironically this very similar to the their opponents right uh, diversity diversity of thought diversity of this and that they just argue about which diversity they choose choose to be you know they're not talking about whether something's decent or not it's it's really based in like a classical liberal um foundation where where you just let people do what they do you don't call them out when there's inversion you don't mm. you know you don't call them you, if, as long as they're not hurting anyone, you don't have to call them out for something that's uh, that's upside down. You know, we we always talk about the upside down world. You don't have to call out the upside down world and be you don't have to be mean or hate the person. And I think a lot of people don't realize this. <clears throat> There's this almost agreed upon thing where if you go after something that's upside down, it means you hate them. 
you know it's it's Mm -hmm. not true it's just not true yeah man a lot of good stuff in there man that's that's amazing you know i've even heard like owen talk about like recently like what you were just talking about like the idea of like you know so i you know i've kind of like backdoored myself into like libertarian thought like agorism you know what i mean like during uh-huh. this whole thing we started getting really involved with like the freedom cell movement and like building little meetups and trying to do that whole thing and then i read this book by Derek bros called the conscious resistance trilogy which like explained like agorism like wow this is like exactly what we're already doing you know what i mean that led to like you know uh anatomy of the state and all all the readings all that stuff you know what i mean and i'm like wow this is it right here and then like owen was describing it as like well you need to have like like the government is the reflection of the morality of the civilization. Like you can, like, what about like, like child trafficking, right? Like, what about like, like, let's say this guy wants to traffic his 13 year old daughter. And it's like, well, it's like, you know, it's it, in a, like a perfect libertarian society. It's like, okay, well then you know, like, like, how do you justify, how do you reconcile that? You know what I mean? And just like, holy shit, that's a good, I have nothing to say to that. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Like, like that. Um, I mean, like I said, building, indecent shit like who decides what's you know what the code is and all this stuff and also you could just develop like a mini state of people you just call them a you know like a like gang lords like basically mm-hmm. warlords that you know you know in that kind of free society like um especially leading toward anarchism itself mm-hmm. it's like it's such a it's such a paradox because if you if you pushed a button and had anarchy you'd have to establish a force that maintained no force. You know what I mean? You'd have mm-hmm. to establish a state that said no, and you know, no state, you know, <laughs> Oh, you're doing a state. No, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. So there's a paradox built yeah. into it. And then I also say like, um, you know, someone I talked to anarchists and they often say, well, most people are passive and uh, abide by the non-aggression principle. Therefore anarchism can work. And they say, show tell me why it can't work. And I say, because most people are passive and uh and um abide by the non-aggression principle that's the same reason why it doesn't work is that because there are people willing to violate that mm-hmm. who don't give a shit about it and they're they're willing to use force and and uh aggregate uh manpower and weapons and and threat threaten people and offer protection you know like the mafia and uh that's fundamentally where it goes it's like there's it's just built in this is there's an absurdity to it but like you said uh mention what owen mentioned is like when you get into that nitty-gritty you're we're dealing with decency that the call is made based on a deeper foundational moral value system not a legal system and so you're ultimately left and you're also left that way with a state right because the state can determine laws that reflect the current trend or changing morality of the people. And we're seeing it now where like, there's a huge mass of people that accept sexualizing children or teaching them about disgusting things from a very young age. And to them, it's completely like normal. That's progress to them. You know, progress is like, Oh, we can, you know, we're able to talk about anything with anybody. And and these are just children. Like they don't know better. So, um, you realize that, wow, the state is just, it'll always exist in some form, right? And then also it'll always reflect the, whose dominant um, moral view is being reflected, you know, in, especially in the major cities. Cause that's kind of the other problem with our system is that, you know, like, let's say New York, for example, 
like New York City makes up like 0.008 or something of the total geography of New York state. Mm-hmm. And it just dom and it just dominates the 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 legislation. And so it just like kind of like applies to, you know, where I grew up in like, you know, the Catskill Mountains. It's insane. Like the these views that are held by this like packed in rat system called New York City. And then it just applies outward. And uh, but that's another tangent. But you know, it, it's pointing to that uh, that there's a mob rule to some extent, even in a republic, even in a in a republic. Yeah, it's the same way here in Oregon, man. Like you have Eugene and Portland, right? You have Portland, which is just bananas, you know. And then I call Eugene Portland's vaccine injured little brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like it's just like the same like mentality. Like it's tr- striving to be Portland. Right. It's not as bad though. But then the rest of the state, it's just like literally just red everywhere. Right. Like it's it's a red state, period. But then you have this these two little pockets that run everything. It's just like, God, it's crazy. But, uh, you know, so I think what we're dealing with really is um, <clears throat> the inversion of morality. Like like mm-hmm. like what, what would be considered immoral to a rational person is propped up as the moral thing. And, uh, you know, I talked about it on a recent episode. Kind of an example I fall back on is like I know – Multiple people have at least two close friends who are in co-parenting situations where they are, you know, my friends are obviously not on board with the vaccine uh, or, the, or the shot, right? Uh, but their co-parent, the, the other parent who they're no longer with is and right. went behind their back and got the kids the shot, you know what I mean, behind their back. And it's like, so that now to like the establishment and what would be, con- that that is considered the moral thing. Like to right. go behind someone's back and to ha- get these kids these experimental injections is considered the moral right proper thing to do. And if you object or get in the way or obstruct that, then that's like almost considered a criminal act these days. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's inversion. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Or you just take what's you know, like it's scripturally based too. I mean, there's this is not new, uh, where people they start to create their own systems that, you know, the law of man. And then, and then that's given by your appetites and what you want to pursue and what you think the world should be like. Right. And then, and then from there you start to make these very temporary uh, positions about, you know, we, we see it now dominant in the progressive view is that, you know, we can, we have access to children, you know, we're going to, we're going to question the, the, um, the, the age of consent, we're going to allow, you know, vaccines without consent, parental consent. And it's all for the good, the common good, the greater good, this concept of the greater good. And you realize that all you have to do is convince someone of a greater good that can be established here in the now, in the te- temporal state, and to get them to follow fal- false authorities. And that's what happens. And it happens in every field. I mean, you establish a false authority and and no authority, no um, no science, no academia, no medical establishment, no political establishment is uh, neutral about um, about their uh, their worldview of what is good, right? It's just assumed. No one really questions it. You know, you see, you notice how like any of these debates, no one ever asks like why is it good? Like mm-hmm. really basic, fundamental, metaphysical questions. Why is it good? Why sh- why is it good? And they'll be like, well, because your vaccine and kidney will save them from dying. And you're like, well, you know, at a more fundamental le- this is the problem with the fault the right left is that you end up talking about these particulars. Like, do- does a vaccine even work? Like, 
how silly, you know, we'll look at the numbers. That's useful. But, you know, from my point of view, I always go to right the core question. You know, why is why is it good to not get a disease? Even if I granted you that, which I don't, but why is it good to, to not get a disease? Can it be good? To, can it be good to get sick? What if what if getting sick is um, the natural uh, just a, the natural outcome to your body actually building itself? What if what if there's no way around getting sick? You know, like to what extent do you determine we shouldn't get sick? That seems to be what suddenly happened in the last two years, where there's this ought claim, this this philosophically uh, bankrupt stance that people shouldn't get sick. This is insanity. Mm-hmm. Why not? I it's not fun to get sick. Whatever sick is the the body, you know, going through some fighting something, whatever. It's not fun, but it's like it's like saying like you know don't get a fever. It's like your body if your if your body could talk, he'd be like that's not a good idea. Like I'm killing the fever is the thing that's doing the work. Mm-hmm. Fever isn't the sickness. And so I don't know what they did. They did a magic trick where they sold symptoms as sickness, you know, where symptom isn't sickness. Mm -hmm. Symptom is a, is the result and the reaction to something else going on, toxicity or whatever it might be. So they're, I think they're fundamentally doing magic tricks, you know, with words and then trying to back it with faulty statistics. Um, and, And it's really, it's weird because you don't know where exactly and how to fight it. Right. It's almost like, um, it's almost like they they're sold on a premise and if you and if you're they're sold on a premise then going after stats or these little particular things doesn't change someone's premise that they accepted. It's almost like if you went into a comedy club and and the and the the comedian told a really good premise that everyone agreed with and then you went in arguing about some particular choice um choice words uh, about his punchline you know oh, arguing about the punchline oh that's not true like you could have done you know this or this or that when really your intent is is questioning the premise that everyone accepted and i think that's um i call it premiseide is that hmm. the ultimate uh game being played is the the conquering of of people's minds through beating uh alternative views to the punch about premises they, they accept a premise you know, you see it with this whole pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. There was some weird moment, like at 15% population or some critical mass, right? Where it didn't, didn't matter right or left. You know, there was a critical moment. I can't tell you exactly where it was, where everybody just accepted that there was a deadly thing that might kill them. And then all arguments were after that premise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, this is where like truther people, this is, this is our, where we live is in the, this weird transition between premise being sold and then all other things being argued. And that's why it looks like everybody's kooky because Mm -hmm. uh, you got a bunch of people arguing about statistics. Like the Ben Shapiro keeps you in the world of statistics. Like there's a deadly pandemic, but you know, the vaccine produces this. They give you all these numbers and then they give you some, some um, weapons or some ammunition against the other side about the thing, but they don't talk about the thing. Like whether or not there, it should have ever been called what it is, you know, and who's behind it. Mm-hmm. Never brought up the world, you know. Notice how Ben Shapiro never brought up the the World uh, uh, Bank pandemic fund that was established in 2018 with all this money that was designated, you know, doing a a dry run of 
can you distribute money based on the guise of uh, a pandemic? And if people hit a certain amount of numbers, cases, not deaths, cases, then you can distribute the money. And that's exactly what we saw. You know, they, they don't talk about that stuff. Yeah. You know, very, very little amount is talked about the, the premises, the, the paradigms. It's because it's, uh, you know, it doesn't sell. It doesn't yeah. sell. It's like, it's like it would be equivalent to going into the basketball arena and there's two teams and there's all these fans there for both teams. And you go, you going through the stands and being like, but yeah, have you ever questioned, you know, who's actually funding this entire game? They're like, no, I love LeBron James. You know, like, have you ever thought about like whether this rule makes sense? You know, like this, this rule, like, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, there's a re- just leave me alone. I'm watching the game. And that's kind of what it feels like for people at least in our arena, it's like, and it's our, you know, it's not a fault. It's just that when you understand that you don't get a, as upset that you can't get through to people. It's good to know that you're, it's good to know what your words and what you're saying, what, what filter you're talking to in another person. You have to know the filter. You have to know what, where they're starting from. And this go, goes for, this is useful because um, a lot of us have family members that, are in another world to us mm-hmm. and and to them we're in another world and it's really important i think that's the access point is that you you ask yourself well what do they fundamentally believe first such that the information i'm now telling them is just goes over it just doesn't it's like putting a it's like putting the cd-rom in the old uh nintendo cartridge right you know mm-hmm. it doesn't so yeah no that's amazing man <laughs> the the premise idea i mean that's so true like man like even like 9-11 like any any of these like 9-11 type events like immediately within like an hour they're like well this was osama bin laden and like blah, blah 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 so like just planting that in our in your heads right away like whoever can show up to the scene first and plant that seed in your head and then everything else is just based off of that first initial false premise like that's a dastardly trick <laughs> yeah man. yeah totally and i actually thought of something remember whitney houston died in a yeah, yeah. hotel I mm-hmm. thought of this concept when that happened. I didn't realize how it would still apply to other ideas today because it was just a silly. But it, it occurred to me that that these hotels, like if when famous people die, right, there's this – I imagine that there's this secret uh, bidding of who gets to say she died mm. at a certain place to – you know, not that it would add to necessarily like immediate like sales. Like people actually might not want to stay there right away. But in the mm. end, it gives you like – uh, notoriety, it gets you shopped or, you know, like you're, you're in the zeitgeist, like the words, the, the mm-hmm. name of the hotel. And I, I imagine this weird post uh, truth where an event happens and then there's a pay to play to incorporate the event and place it in places that it's not, that it was never, and that you actually shop for the commodity of, of premises and, and details and that it could actually work given the mass amount of the populace is only getting their uh, information through their black mirrors and how you could actually do that. And I believe that it's actually been done, that there's been a, sh- uh, a competition uh, for narrative and, and that you could actually have uh, entities that pay to compete to gain certain details and, and to have them written in their, their way. And actually fundamentally changing what actually occurred, fundamentally what what occurred, 
like forever in the mind of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the it's Mandalay like, Bay, Mandalay yeah. Bay, 2017. Yeah. Oh, like, totally, totally. They, they won, they won that ticket. <laughs> it's like if you admit that revisionist history existed, this is just the immediate form of it. So, you know what I mean? Like, so history is written, and it takes a lot of men and people writing different forms of it, and maybe there's some truth that can be derived from the combination of of those sources that may actually uh, contradict each other in certain places. But generally, you can get a, a streamlined view of what happened maybe still requires faith um but that took long periods of time in the past now we're in a, a world where revisionism happens the day the mm-hmm. day of mm-hmm. right because the tech the tech and the relay of information so you're instead of before someone was like well we ought to write a book about the history of this man we better you know i heard someone else's writing biography and they have like uh you know, we have to finish this in at least two years. That's that was their mindset, right? Now think about the time frame that's crunched to tell to retell an idea of something that happened. It's in it's minutes. It's mm-hmm. like it's like we gotta take over the narrative and beat them. Whoever whoever builds out the premise of what just happened in the most compelling way to the most amount of people. And there's that weird tipping point where, you know, is it like 15%? Uh, if you get someone, if you get a group of people, of fifteen percent of a group of people to believe something in a really short ama- amount of time, and that's a really small amount to, to me, fifteen. Um, if you could get that in a small amount of time, it sh- it quickly goes up to like eighty five percent. That's hmm. like a fundamental statistical uh, phenomenon about belief and uh, relaying sort of like a trend that's accepted. It just you just need a quick jump. Right. And then there's a threshold. There's a, it's called the tipping point. And, um, you know, no one knows like the cause. It's just a phenomenon that's observed with like numbers that people go. Yeah. Yeah. Not, you know, 9-11 Osama. Yeah, it mm-hmm, is weird. Mm-hmm. It is weird that, um, you know, some of the most protected buildings uh, were hit by the same people and that they have like a, you know, allegedly a 75 percent uh, uh, f- effective rate of, you know, hitting their targets like one being the pet like this is insanity like some mm-hmm. guy with a a cutter you know they could shoot down a plane in pennsylvania but not the pentagon and if they did you know like you know and if, if that did happen there's just one parking meter camera like that day like mm-hmm. it's but but it doesn't matter like you can show someone you know you can show someone this is why the premise thing matters so much I showed someone in slow-mo, you know, this thing they called a plane hitting the Pentagon. And I said, well, a 747's this uh, width, the length. And the Pentagon is, I forgot what it was. It was like 72 feet high or something like that. And I just said, this is a freeze frame. Like, do the math. You can actually measure, right, the the length of a plane that they say is a plane and the, the length of a building that they they tell you the length of. And this doesn't add up a plane would look like this and you just insert the plane and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you know it's not a black pill it's just that it just shows that the the veracity of information that you're giving to someone is given by the filter or the presuppositions that they hold before you give them the information that's not to say some information can't change or wreck the you know what we call the the sacred cow or the starting assumption it's just seems seemingly uncommon 
that they, that you can show someone something and they'll just be like, no, it's already, <laughs> a it's like, no, they, they're under some sort of like uh spell or a hypnosis or um, it's not worth it. Maybe, maybe it's not worth it. That's at least the most reasonable. It's not worth the time and effort to uncover it because it's a lot of weight. And then you have to then be responsible for knowing some other truth that then do you have to tell other people? You know what I mean? There's yeah. this all, all these consequences to quote being a truther, right? You gain the knowledge and then what? You want to share it with people. Not only want to, but you almost feel obligated if you uncovered some deception. It would be weird if we didn't feel obligated to share it, right? Yeah. It would be like psycho it would be like we'd be like psychopaths. If we were like, holy shit, that was a total lie. Mm-hmm. And then and then we we're like, I don't I don't need to I don't need to tell anybody. Like no. that would be that would be weird. No, it's true. And and I think it's like we have this desire and compulsion to do it to our own detriment. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. like we're right. just like 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 we're just like outcasts now. And it's like that's fine. I love being in that realm, dude. I love being canceled banned whatever like that's that's great i, I thrive off of that these days and i'm sure yeah. you do too man like yeah. you're you've been crushing it these last couple of years it's just Thank like you. what are we gonna do when all this goes away like i'm gonna <laughs> i don't know i mean it's like it's it really is fun because you're you get to be a part of something that's more concentrated the targets get smaller and smaller mm-hmm. um at least more precise um and uh and that it's fun and you know it's like again it's the indication of you know the outcast is the indication now of some element of truth you know mm-hmm. where where we really in are in that quote the upside down where you know when you're in living in insanity saying something true makes you insane they call you insane and that's now like you know the badge you're just like oh yeah yeah i agree i you know according to your view i'm the insane one mm-hmm well what do you what do you think the difference is between uh and i, I have a theory like uh but like okay so like I started podcasting after like back in June of 2020, you know, like I was like activated and felt compelled to like get on a microphone and start like interviewing people and doctors and scientists and trying to get to the bottom of this thing. But then that has like catapulted me into this whole new like realm. And I'm just like, wow, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have this if it wasn't for all the madness. And like you too, I feel like, you know, you're, you've been on this huge upward trajectory as a result of this, but what do you think is the difference between people like us who have just been thriving during this versus the people who are just trapped in the fear cycle that I'm just keeping, I think it's like the victimhood thing, right? Like the victimhood culture. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think victimology plays into it, but also uh, with this last thing with the with the pandemic, uh, they've somehow established um, narratives that give people the the option, depending on the day or the circumstance, to be the victim or the hero. For mm. instance, all the mask people, they can be like, "I'm going to die." But then I'm going to die victim can turn into the the judgment hammer of you need to get vaccine. I'm a hero. I called him. I reported him. You know, mm. like it's like this weird combination of the victim gets to do they're in their own comic book, but they're the victim and the hero at the same time. And the mask is now the superhero cape. But it's also a, it's also an expression that they might die. It's this weird paradox of like. I'm scared, but I'm also a superhero, you know, so weird. Um, So yeah, I think victimology plays into it, but also um, scapegoating. I think naturally, Mm. like we talked in the beginning where if your fundamental view is you can win the world, you know, you could win, you can kill evil. Basically from Mm. our view, the the equivalent would be we can kill evil and then we'll, we'll have this blossoming, um, you know, 
Shire. Um, from that view, um, you can see how um, you have to point out a germ, you know, a, a germ being a group of people or a of an ideology, and you have to you have to kill the them off in some way, right? So I think the scapegoating uh, is key. So if you're a victim, and it, go, it goes hand in hand with the hero um, victim thing, because if you're a victim, that means there's a bad person, right? And so if you can isolate the bad person, then you could also be the hero if you if you do the right thing. You know, slap, you know, punch a Nazi. You remember that? Punch mm-hmm. a Nazi. Oh yeah. This kind of concept, um, this little mini nudging. It's called nudging. Like you nudge people toward a good outcome that you sell them and then they they take their victimology as energy toward winning and then and then you give them this other stuff like the triumphant female right Mm -hmm. i was i went through it all and you know beyonce you know this whole you could see it like that's why it's spiritual warfare it's like it's not just um it's not just cultural pop culture stuff there's a deeper narrative being pushed that put people in a victim so that they can then overcome and be Beyonce. So you've commodified victimology because what's at the other end is the remedy. It's Hegelian. It's like, you're a victim. It's like, Oh, I'm a victim. And then you're like, yeah, you're a victim, but here's the good news right after this break. And then, and then they sell them the triumphant, uh, you know, path. In the triumphant path isn't just another counterfeit worldly path where you get to be Beyonce and overcome, you know, and, and especially for the women, they really target the women in this case. They, they, they almost like breed, um, a, a broken state, you know, even through childhood Disney, the broken home. And, um, and then they sell them the transcendental, uh, you know, you transcended, you, you overcome, you know, this thing. And, and it's like, it's funny. Cause it's the same source, the same people who sell you the brokenness that you're broken, sell you the remedy. And it's the same for the vaccines and it's same for Hegelian government policy. And it's the same all around. They, they sell you the, the broken aspect. And, um, but that means it also, it doesn't mean that we aren't broken either doesn't mean that humans aren't fundamentally fallen. It's just that you know it's counterfeit when the the remedy is here in the world. Like, you know what I mean? Because the broken would be a metaphysical concept. It would be like something deeper, right? It would be mm-hmm. something about being a human being that we're, we're fallen in some way, that we're all vulnerable to our appetites, let's say, or, or sin in my view or um, – you know, uh, just the world, seeking the world, greed, all of these things that you and I both share, right? We have these impulses. Um, and so those things are not actually found in nature. You can't find the thing called greed, right? Mm. Or, or compassion in a tree or in my skin, right? It's not, phys- these are things are, these are wider scale things that we know exist. Just like you said, well, I know good exists. I know good mm-hmm. and evil, but you can't isolate it, right? You couldn't pull it out of the rock or, or you couldn't even pull it out of someone's shoulder that you knew was evil. Like, oh, Bill Gates. Like if you said like Bill Gates is fundamentally evil, you couldn't take a chunk of his shoulder and find what you call mm-hmm. evil, right? Mm-hmm. And so because that's true, um, that means the good, you know, 
that we couldn't actually produce actual equivalent to good also in, in the world as a thing. And, and that's the weird uh, trap that people get into, especially actually, you know, admittedly a religious people because they, they get it fall into a trap where they really think they can kill off the representation of evil. And that's, and that's when you end up like annihilating people and, and you, you, you try to equal a person with the, the concept evil, but really in my view, the person evil, if it's represented through one individual or let's say like black rock or like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever these other things I could go. Yeah. They're pushing, they're pushing inversion. You know, they're Yuval Harari, this oh, guy, <laughs> these <Yeah>. people, <clears throat> they're fundamentally practicing a form of evil. They're acting against what's true. They're inverting. They're trying to be gods of their mm-hmm. own, uh, of their, of the world. And, uh, but they're not identical. Like you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't off, Harari and suddenly there's less of what you call evil. Mm-hmm. Some people think that though. My people who who share my fundamental worldview get into that trap and I have to like, you know, correct them or, you know, if I I'll think that sometimes. You know, there's a moment of weakness where I go, oh, it's just it's just like wh- what if you know, what if there was a, a you know, a, um what is it called? What's the show with all the red draped women who have babies oh geez uh no <laughs> remember it was like uh it's i always always call it bridesmaids oh uh, man bride, bridesmaids tale it's not oh it's, handmaid's tale handmaid, yeah 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 i, I haven't go, even i haven't seen it but oh, yeah, okay, okay. okay it's very it's relevant uh yeah. they, even that's inverted uh by the way but yeah sometimes you can go dark and go you know and that's that's where the practice comes is that you go well for me you go to scripture one of the most powerful is is that the the battle of good and evil is not of flesh and blood. I mean, right there is a truth that no matter what worldview you have, that scripture is still true. You can't isolate evil to Bill Gates's section of his flesh, or his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Oh, under the microscope, we found it. Mm-hmm. These are deeper issues that have to do with the power you give to other authorities, false authorities. And the power you give to yourself, assuming you're ultimately God, you're you're the God. So it's like it's a weird dichotomy. Either other men are the God with the lab coats, you know, NASA, mm-hmm. uh, or you're the God. And a lot of people get stuck in the in this game and they think they're of the good because the other person's not God. And they're like, that's where that libertarian, you know, sort of. Crowleyan aspect comes in where it's like, mm. I'm the God. No, I hate government. I'm the government. And then all they're doing is just attributing another false authority uh, themselves. Right. So it's a good place to start. I mean, especially for people just getting into, they realize that there's a deeper battle that's not identical to the world, you know, what we do in the world, like, but it's there. It's a part of our, our, um, navigation system so to speak yeah and it's and it's it seems like it's exclusive to humans too like the way you describe like you know the 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 compassion and then all these things like you don't you don't see that in like the animal world they just do things you right. know what i mean and so it seems like a condition specific for and to us which is a whole nother can of worms there it's like okay so yeah like, there's like a, <laughs> something something special going on here oh yeah no you're definitely unique and, the, and that's another that's the next step in in anyone's uh, pursuit in theology is or, or any worldview if you're if you're attempting to 
then ground that it's like what it well well which views are consistent with man being the peculiar embodiment or or let's say man is the being that has access to in my view god's uh metaphysical attributes some of them you know truth you know logic the the, the idea that we can we can discern morality or, or even argue about morality in 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 itself is a metaphysical thing that animals don't sit around arguing about more someone could say no the lion took care of the other thing and he got it back and there's redemption or whatever and you're like no they're just acting you can't you can't possibly tell me they're making these moral uh ponderings and arguments like the, the lion under the tree is going you know like is morality based in the world you know can you imagine you know like an, mm-hmm. an animal having this same yeah. conversation it's clear that humans have a, a peculiar um, access to things like that are not in nature. They're just, they're supernatural by definition. And some people go, Oh, supernatural, even crystals and stuff. No, they're, they're literally above nature. They're, they're above nature. They mm. like, we require them to even make sense of the, of an intelligible world. So then you go, well, how do you justify that? And that's where I always put people. I don't just hit them with the club of my worldview um, unless they ask for it, but I just ask them, well, if you're exploring these ideas and you know, these things exist, does your current worldview justify that they exist? You can't just have them exist, right? That's ad hoc. You can't just be like, yeah, they just exist. You'd be like necessarily your worldview must go, well, where do they come from? Who's the source? Is it just the universe? Is it a simulation? Is it, you know, people go down these roads, but, um, like we said with premises, this is why it's so important. A lot of people go, well, let's just talk about the left or something. They, mm. they get bored. It's too heady. It's too philosophical. Uh, but the thing is, if we really are battling premises, right, we're actually engaging in in what's true. And then, and then if something's true, then what's our standard for what truth is? What's the truth of the matter for good and evil? And so – it's a great place to start, those questions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, show Jim Bob, this is freaking awesome, man. Uh <laughs> I uh next time I'll have to have you back somewhere down the road. We can get into all of, like the stuff you love to talk about, like all the theoretical, mm-hmm. all the NASA, all that nonsense. Oh, but yeah, uh yeah, yeah. but but in the meantime, dude, I I know like if people would have to be living under a rock to not see your cartoons and your memes and stuff, but like maybe some of them listening may not know you have a whole other realm of stuff that you do too and so if they wanted to get some more of your takes on like all the cern nonsense and everything where can they find all of your work uh you can find me uh i have a youtube channel made by jim bob uh you might have to type it exactly i actually don't know how <clears throat> shadow banned i am there um made by jim bob at youtube um and then obviously on the screen made by jim bob four my fourth account on instagram <laughs> um and uh where else i mean i'm on rockfin I'm on unauthorized.tv. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what else? I'm, I think that's. Here's a question. So so now you're on your fourth uh, Instagram account. Like, do you have like a repository of all your previous uh, artwork yeah. anywhere? Uh, not accessible. I have it just on a computer. So okay. I think when the time comes, I'll release, um, you know, volume one specifically because volume two is sold all the books are sold out except yeah. for volume three well tell um, about your books tell them about your books. oh yeah volume oh yeah um so yeah i've basically from the banning this is where the good comes from you know 
the banning, like you were talking about, is that, um, you know, I always, I always made art in physical form. I have an actual painting behind me. I like to work with my hands. So getting banned, it was like obvious that they can't ban a book. Yes. A publisher can say no to your book because if you're a bigot, you know, Mm -hmm. but luckily my publishers don't, uh, they either know I'm a bigot and don't care because they they like the business or whatever. So I decided to put them into books. So volume one was the first book um, that got sold out. There were 750 copies. And then I did volume two and that was a thousand copies and that sold out. And, and now I'm on volume three. And there were, I think there, there were 3000 copies. I'm not sure how many are left right now, but it's definitely in the third, less of less than a third. Um, and so that's a good way for me to, uh, keep these time capsules of insanity, mm-hmm. uh, and put them in a really, you know, well-organized, uh, book that you can own. And it's like, you can't delete it. I mean, they can keep deleting me, but if I keep putting the vol- volumes out, they're there. As long as you take care of the book, it's there. And so, um, that, that was, to me, it's obvious like that all artists who get banned, uh, should have books in physical form of their work. Yeah, that's just it. Almost adds value to it. So, right. thank you, Instagram. Jeez, you know. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Well, Jim Bob, man, it's truly an honor. I really appreciate it, man. Your insights and perspective are just uh, pretty awesome, and uh, hopefully, catch up again soon. So, all right, cool, all right, brother. Thank cool. you so much. Have a good you one. Too. You too.